Hello, friends. I'm Renee. And I'm Anna. And you're listening to Fangirl Happy Hour. Listen, we are getting into a rhythm of watching all of our faves and slowly destroying them. I don't know, they're still my faves. Welcome to Fangirl Happy Hour Vault Edition, where we're going to be discussing the 1999 cult classic, The Mummy, starring Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz. Nothing will ever be as bad as Valerian, so we're clear and good to go. Let's read the official description of this movie, and then you will see part of the problem. An American serving in the French Foreign Legion on an archaeological dig at the ancient city of Hamanoptera accidentally awakens a mummy that wreaks havoc on him and his crew. This is revisionist history. And also, it places uh, Brandon Fraser as the main character of the movie when, obviously, he isn't. No, the main character of this movie is Evie. She is the main character. Of course. And, and maybe, debatable, the mummy. But it's definitely Evie. It's her story. She gets him to guide her. She releases the mummy. She is the person who gets kidnapped by the mummy. She's the one who defeats the mummy in the end. So there you go. She's the heroine, the main character of this movie, and the reason why I love it so much. I love how Rachel Weiss performs this role. It's just perfect. And I really like how often she ends up saving herself. Because, frankly, he's not good at his job. Is he? I think he's a good adventurer. But, like, as a guide, maybe not the best. Hmm. Plus, he's American. And we know how this movie feels about Americans. I totally love how much this movie drags Americans. And, you know, then drags them to hell via the mummy. And their affection for guns. And how they do not work against the mummy. As Ardeth Bay says, no mortal weapon can kill this creature. Ah, Ardeth Bay. I said on Twitter this morning when I was watching the first part of this movie that I thought it was just wrong that instead of getting the Ardeth Bay spinoff, we got the Scorpion King with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Now, the Scorpion King is some straight up trash... But did I watch these films when they came out? Indeed I did, because I loved this series. They made a third Mummy movie starring Brendan Fraser, but, but Rachel Weisz wasn't in it. I think they recast her or didn't even include her somehow. And I was like, I'm not here for this. I don't even remember that. Yeah, it's just because it was garbage. I mean, I didn't watch it, let's be clear. I stuck firm to my position that the series ended after The Mummy Returns. I don't remember watching The Mummy Returns. Oh, look, another vault episode. Yeah, I would be up for that. However, I have some feelings about the fact that this movie was written and created by men, but yet there is a romance here that I absolutely love that I think is one of the best parts of the film. I get really upset at all films after this, like because I didn't really start getting into film, like watching film, until like the late 90s, early 2000s. Having seen this movie, I would I would go to all these other adventurer slash action movies, and the romances would be garbage. So this movie like ruined me for every single action adventure movie with a romance. 
Listen, I really liked the romance here, and I think it really works. And I think they are charming together. They have chemistry, and it's funny. But if you think about it, like really think about it, do they have any actual conversations with each other when she's drunk, more or less? <laughs> and it's like, what is this based on? Chemistry, which is a great science. Well, I guess I don't think about it like that. I would never think about it like that because movies are a series of vignettes. They're not the whole thing. You don't see the empty spots that the film didn't fill. And I'm a fanfic writer, so obviously I fill those in myself. And I think that a film that does such a good job of building a relationship over the whole film that feels real and tangible and like something that might last, that like this movie did, like that's a real that's a real success for me no yes no i agree i agree it was just like afterward i was thinking but hold on why did we get that impression rick was an adventurer and evie wanted to be in the field and they complemented each other really well i also got the sense that neither of their lives were very stable and so when they came together as these complementary pieces they found some stability that they were lacking elsewhere that's true and i think another thing is that he really admired and respected her opinion. And he never looked out on her because she was a woman. And I think that was very important too. This movie was like feminist and really like feminism 101 ways, but I still appreciated it. I agree. I guess my one thing that made me a little bit, mm, is the casting of white people as Egyptians. Yeah, that always wigged me out because she was like, oh yeah, my dad was white and my mom was Egyptian and I'm just like you do not look Egyptian Rachel Rachel Weiss I'm sorry there were some um, people of color but apart from Oder Fair who plays um, Ardeth the Magi who protects the city I think everybody else was white we, we end up excusing it because of nostalgia and because it is genuinely a fan good movie but for example if this movie was cast today and it had been coming up today, I think we would refuse to go and see it, just like we did with Gods of Egypt. Yes, but also because Gods of Egypt didn't sound good at all. This at least sounded good. It sounded awesome to me because I love Egypt and I really wanted that movie to be good. And I was like, but there's no way I'm going to go and see it with this like cast of white people as Egyptian gods. Also, the people of color there were, specifically the guy who plays the library director slash like secret society member he uh was indian and the girl who plays Anxunamun, she's from venezuela and all these people die and all these people die our extremely attractive magi is the only one who survives and also, gender diversity in this film is not great. Oh my god, that's true. <laughs> it's only Evie. <laughs> and then the desiccated mummy. Wow, that one I did not even realize. Funny how that happens, right? And I think I don't realize it and think about it very often when I'm watching this film. It's just because she's so great. But I really wish that they could have found a way to include another female character somehow. What if Jonathan could have been her sister instead. That's true. But women aren't funny. Shut up! Imaginary grumpy person from the distance. Women are hilarious. For example, I am a librarian. <laughs> She's really funny in this movie. 
Okay, so what do we think about the ahistorical nature of this film? It's fantasy, so fuck it, right? White people, why you gotta go to another country and, like, be gross? <laughs> That's that element, too. First of all, he's already there as part of the French Legion, which is bad. Evie is there as part of British imperialism to get things back to the British Museum. And then they go and they awaken a nation evil that kills a lot of Egyptians, but they survive. Awkward. I have another question for you that occurred to me in the end. Why? Why does everybody think that Imhotep was evil? He was not evil. He was having an affair with the woman that he loved. He was caught, and then the freaking pharaoh cursed him and her to the most horrendous death ever. And up until that point, he hadn't done anything evil. Well, he murdered the pharaoh. And... Which we can argue was a tyrant and was about to kill them because they were having an affair. But his murder ever... But does that... Does that re- no, of course, murder is never excusable. <laughs> Does that really qualify him as the greatest evil of all time that will bring back the ten curses or whatever? He was having an affair, then he killed a dude. By that metric, who else is evil? Everybody in the movies. It just seems very disproportionate. (laughs) The curse that they put him under was disproportionate to his crimes. Okay, that's fair. I could see that. And And then, of course, the whole legend around him is so evil. It's like... He just killed a person. Why do you fear him so much? If he had been like this huge priest that was causing things in Egypt and then he had died because of that, it would have made much more sense. I don't think it was so much that he was evil. It's that the the curse he was placed under made him evil. I mean, if you consider how he died, it's understandable. <laughs> I mean, he was evil because he enslaved a bunch of Egyptians to his cause. No, but he already had a reputation for being evil before that. Well, that wasn't his reputation. That was just humans. Ah, okay. That's a good point. That's a good take on this, Renee. I like that. It was humans building it up because of their knowledge about what he might do if he came back. Because he was so pissed about the curse he was placed under. That's fine. I'll accept that. Well, because the Magi, you get the feeling, and maybe the movie says this explicitly, but I don't remember, that they were descendants of the people who mummified his priests alive and, and buried him. An ancient order that is like set to protect him from rising. Because they understand that the curse that they put him under was going to cause a lot of shit if he ever woke up. Because he was going to be extremely angry. Yeah. As we sit here and try to work through the plot holes in this film. Of course. Why not? Why not, Anna? Why not use our time this way? How else would you like to use our time? I don't know. What's your favorite part of this film? I like everything with Evie on it. And I like the chemistry between her and Brendan Fraser's characters. Rick, right? Rick. I actually think the special effects stand the test of time. They were pretty good. It's just generally speaking a really good adventure movie, which I tend to love. I would wonder how Indiana Jones would stand the test of time. I've never seen any of those films all the way through. A lot of people were like, Indiana Jones was my formative adventure action exploration film. But this one is mine. I guess you are 10 years younger than me. And that would be that's true. Because I watched my first Indiana Jones when I was around 11, 12. 
and my mom always loved this movie called Romancing the Stone. Yes, with Kathleen Turner and Michael Douglas. And I remember when she tried to make me watch it, and I was like, what the hell is this? I was not impressed, let's put it that way. I watched it multiple times. I haven't watched it in 20 years or something. Maybe we should add that to the vault, too. Maybe we should do, I like, old adventure movies. Have you watched The Goonies? Yeah, I've seen that. Those are the ones that I was watching when I was a kid. And I think they were probably older when you watched them. I don't know. I I missed a lot of things because I didn't have a theater. And I had to wait for things to come to television. And then I had to wait for them to come to a channel that I had. So I feel like I missed out on a bunch of stuff. Did you ever watch E.T.? Yeah. I actually got that as a gift. Like a VHS copy of that as a gift one Christmas. The Mummy is kind of like a new Indiana Jones 10 years later. But with a better female character. Although Indiana Jones did have good female characters if I remember correctly. Let's not assume. We all know your memory, Anna. We all know my memory, yeah. Okay. What is your favorite part? My favorite part of the film is the whole jail scene. Jonathan is like, uh, I really don't want to go talk to this guy. I pickpocketed. Can we go? And just how snarky and offended that Rick and Evie are to each other. I mean, I don't condone like the non-consensual making out. That's not cool. Yes. I was like, that was my first comment of the movie that I made. It's like, what the fuck did she just kiss her for? <laughs> and then I liked how they foreshadowed a bunch of stuff, which maybe is really obvious and I'm not really all that clever for noticing it. But at the very beginning, when Evie destroys the library and the caretaker is like, like, I would rather have a plague of locusts than have to deal with you. And I'm like, well, guess what, dude? You're about to get your wish. Then when we meet the Americans, the guy comments on how he can't see anything without his glasses. That's true. That's true. They do a lot of that. They drop these little tidbits. And, and if you've seen the movie multiple times, like I have because I own it, you start to pick up on it. So I hadn't seen it this in years, and I didn't remember anything. So of course I didn't remember that the librarian dude was part of the group that was protecting the city. So the first thing that he did was to destroy the map, set fire to it, and I was like, what the fuck are you doing? You call yourself a scholar! But of course he had a reason to do that, because he was part of the sect, right? So that was really well done. The first sign that uh, maybe he's not on the up and up. I like that the film like shows them after they escape having the gold, which which relates more to my like appreciation of the sequel because the sequel like deliberately follows through on that moment, and I just like that the continuity is there. I like I, li- I really like the the connection that that leaves you. You're like, oh my god, they're gonna be fucking rich, and then the next movie, they're fucking rich. Um, treasure stolen from Egypt, sure. I would like to watch The Mummy Returns. And then finally, the moment where the boat catches on fire and McConnell is like, hey, Benny, I think you're on the wrong side of the river. And Evie has to go get haul new clothes. He was like, yeah, we could have got the camels for cheaper. All they wanted was your sister. And Jonathan was like, oh, tempting, isn't it? And then, you know, there's this whole thirst scene between Brendan Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz. And it was so good for me. Do you know, when I was in Egypt, I was harassed so much walking around, people offering camels for me. And apparently I was worth two camels only. But it was very unpleasant. Yes, I imagine it was. That's what I got from that scene. I was like, well, this is not funny. (laughs) It happened to me too. (laughs) 
I love Jonathan though. <laughs> He's so wrong, but it's so funny. I still think he would have been a great sister though. Absolutely. We kind of talked about like thirst because Brendan Fraser is dirty and gross, and then he cleans up, and Evie's like, "I'd I'd hit it." But Brendan Fraser is a fascinating actor. Have you read that article that went around where somebody did an interview with him, and it was heartbreaking? I did. Yes. And though every time in that film that he was doing like a super physical scene where like he looked like he might get hurt, I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" Like he's a very physical actor. Definitely recommend reading that article. Anybody who hasn't read it yet, it's another hashtag Me Too, but also going further in different kinds of abuse he has suffered in his career and how it kind of like went down. He seems like a genuinely nice guy. Hollywood just seems so gross. Any sort of work like that with that much money involved is going to have like serious problems. But like when you're watching films, you just don't really think about it when you're watching these people act out these roles. Like you don't think about whether people are keeping them safe, if they're taking care of them. And I just think that that article highlighted how much we take for granted from people who are like actors and actresses. It's very similar to the story that Uma Thurman was telling about her experience with Quentin Tarantino. She also got physically hurt. And I think about the interview that Chris Evans gave where he talks about that helicopter scene in Civil War where he was like trying to hold the helicopter and how it hurt his arm and his arm still hurt. Oh my god, I didn't know. And then I think about Dylan O'Brien, who was on the scene of like the, the Maze Runner film, and he got super, super injured, and they had to like pause production for like six months or something, a long time. It's not really clear how serious it was, but like it was serious enough where some of the reports were like, he almost died. And I just sometimes feel like we can get disconnected from the fact that actors that are playing these roles are people. And so that Brendan Fraser article really made me think about that when I was watching this film. Brendan Fraser was a staple of the movies I watched. Like, I really liked Encino Man. I'd be afraid to watch that now, though. I loved George of the Jungle and Bedazzled. I really liked that one, too, because it was like it's like the quintessential nice guy becoming like an actual human being. See, I think I was already a bit older when these movies came out because I haven't watched any of them. Rachel Weisz is another actress who I've like, always really loved. I loved her in Constantine, even though people drag that movie all the time. I still love that movie. I don't care. I think I liked that movie, too, when I watched it. I had never read the comic. I haven't either. I just went into it as like, oh, look, this is a movie. And anything that Rachel Weisz does, I tend to like, although recently she's done more like dramas that I'm not super into. What else did she do? She was in The Brothers Bloom, which was the first role where after The Mummy that I set up and went, oh, wow, she's like this really great actress. And I thought she did a great job in this film and the sequel, which I'm going to have you watch. Right. At the end of our discussion of The Mummy, how many space views are you going to give it? I'm going to give it three and a bucket of honey. I'm giving it four because I still think it holds up really well. And I'm just going to drop it a star for all the, you know, racism and colonialism and sexism. Good to watch, but also good to watch with the historical context so you can learn something and it can be educational okay <laughs> Anna is so dubious right now <laughs> okay this episode was brought to you by our patrons 
We appreciate you all so much. And if you'd like to support our show and make future Vault episodes possible, you can follow us on Patreon. Our music is by Chicky Beats and our show art is by Ira. You can commission them at justera.tumblr.com. All our transcripts are available at fangirlhappyhour.com. Our patrons make them possible too and help us pay Susan for her awesome services. If you have anything to share with us, send us an email. We're at fangirlhappyhour at gmail.com. Please ping us and let us know your thirst level for Brendan Fraser in The Mummy. You can follow us on Twitter at Fangirl Podcast and at Fangirl Happy Hour on Facebook and Tumblr. Remember to drink water regularly throughout the day. Hydration is power. Especially if you have been thirsting over the person of your dreams. Thanks for listening, Space Bees. on your face like hmm, here we go with this <laughs> don't question fantasy logic that way <laughs> lies magic no that way lies madness that's where i was going with that yeah i was like mm, this is a new saying that's interesting <laughs> renee is bad at idioms who knew i feel judged anna so no, I'm, not, I'm not judging. I'm not judging. Anubis will judge you when you die. Oh my god, that reminds me. Did you ever watch that Sesame Street movie? No. Where Big Bird goes to this museum and meets this the spirit of this little kid. And he has to wait for his soul to be judged at the end against a feather. No. Listen, if you want to be like emotionally scarred, you should go find this scene on YouTube. I bet it's there. And you should watch it and be like, holy shit, kids movies were like hardcore, even the Sesame Street ones. I should really read a book on Egypt so I can learn about the actual Egypt. <laughs> Probably. Okay, where's my document? Here's my document under your face.